Hello and welcome back to the next episode of the Forgotten Football Club's podcast. I am your host, as per usual, Rory Bryce, and I'm joined once again by the author, Philip Rock. Phil, how's it going, mate? What's up, Rory? Good, good. Um, delighted to be back here. Uh, episode, what episode are we on? We're on episode 19, so just about hitting the 20 mark. Um, yeah, it is, it's been great. I was thinking about this the other day, obviously, we, we said when we got to 10 episodes... We were like, we're so happy to hit double figures. I was thinking back to that because it doesn't. It, it feels like it was quite a while ago, and it wasn't actually. But all the episodes that we've had between episode ten and what's going to be episode twenty, it's been absolutely amazing. It's been phenomenal. We've had so many great guest speakers on, uh, so many featured episodes, spoken to so many interesting people, engaging with everyone on Twitter. It's been absolutely fantastic. Because I think for for us, what episode was episode ten? Was that um, Shiva Shiva USA? I think so, yeah. I think we had uh, Stephen, Stephen Brandt on. Stephen Brandt, yeah. I'm just going to quickly double-check that. This is great radio. No, episode 10 was Amkar Perm. Actually, ah, so that was with, that was with Alex. Alex McGuinness. And that was a brilliant episode as well. I feel like every episode we've had in between then and now has been absolutely fantastic. Really, really enjoying it so far. It's been been amazing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, some emotional moments uh, that we weren't prepared for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, some great, great stories as well. Uh, I've gone in there, but uh, look, we're we're not stopping. Uh, we've we we have loads more planned. Um, loads more guests to come on. Um, you know, some clubs are are proving more difficult than others <laughs> uh, to get on uh, for fans or or whatever. Um, but uh, look, we we will cover them all. Uh, well, we'll try cover them all. Um, and then even when we're finished covering the ones that are in the book. Uh, there's thousands more uh, football clubs and stories out there um, to, to be covered. Uh, so, yeah, really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing we want to know at the moment as well, obviously. We're covering each club that was written about in Phil's book at the moment. Obviously, when we started out, we said this podcast would be like a companion to the book. Um, and I suppose when we kind of started speaking about it, we had it in the back of our minds, you know, what are we going to do once... Uh, we get to the end of that. What are we going to do once we've run out of the clubs that are in the book? We kind of said, well, we'll maybe just lump that in at season one and then we'll take a break or, or whatever. But we've got loads of ideas. We've got loads of ideas for extra content that we can do after that. So I think it's safe to say at this point, by no means will the podcast stop once we've covered all of the clubs that were written about in the book. So you guys can look forward to that as well. As I've said on numerous episodes before, we're always keen to hear new ideas. We're always excited to speak to new people and hear what they have to say, hear the stories that we have. Uh, someone reached out to us on Instagram, I think last night or this morning, actually, uh, talking about an Icelandic team, I think. So I've gone back in touch with them just to try and, and, and find out what the story is there. It sounds like there's a lot of drama. Well, it sounds like something that's really interesting. Yeah, Rory, I mean, we are quite popular in uh, Iceland. Like, I think we reached number, number two in uh, sports podcasts. Uh, oh, amazing. In Iceland. So, uh, you know, me and you, we, we maybe trip to Iceland, you know, as celebrities, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which would be kind of weird. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a bit much. Um, I mean, that honestly is true, though. We we, we did actually hit uh, rank number two in not, not soccer, but actual sports podcasts on Apple uh, Podcasts in Iceland. So uh, people oh, who are amazing. listening in Iceland, thank you very much. 
yeah thank you yeah that, that's that's really really humbling <laughs> it's, really, it's really good to know that people are listening to us and enjoying the content um obviously we we cover football from all across the globe we don't just stick to europe or scotland or ireland or england uh we want to talk about teams from all over the place in, in every corner of the world as film alluded to obviously sometimes that's more difficult in some places than it is in others but um we are doing our best and, and amongst our busy schedules we are trying to do some more research into lesser-known teams, uh, nations that maybe get overlooked a little bit. But it has been quite a busy spell for both of us. You've just started a new job, haven't you, Phil? Yeah, yeah, the last two weeks. Uh, I won't tell you where it is. I won't bore you with that. Um, but uh, I have indeed. Um, but also doing a, bit, doing a bit of writing as well um, for various websites, uh, which has taken up my time. But... Um, on uh, basically uh, football grounds, uh, old football grounds and stuff like that. So um, there, there is a little project going on with that. So uh, hopefully people will be able to see that. And of course, I've been uh, getting involved in watching the Women's World Cup that's kicked off this week. Uh, obviously, my own Ireland uh, unfortunately lost the first game, but did us proud. Uh, only a 1-0 loss to, you know, the host Australia, one, one of the favourites. And uh, Canada and Nigeria in our group drew. So... You know, it's still all there to play for. We 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 have a go at Canada, we have a go at Nigeria, uh, and uh, we we qualify and go on and win the tournament. I still believe. <laughs> still believe. Um, whether that is whether that belief is misplaced or not, uh, time will tell. Um, I did I did actually see that um, that Ireland got beat. Obviously, with Scotland not being at the Women's World Cup, it's not something that I'm following. Um. To be honest, I haven't been following much football over the summer, really just kind of keeping an eye on the uh, early European competition qualifying rounds and watching uh, a couple of friendlies here and there. Obviously, the Scottish League Cup has kicked off, uh, so I've been keeping an eye on those results as well. But um, it's a very long season last season, and as we were saying off air, I think summer is a good bit of downtime for a lot of football fans, and uh, I was certainly feeling that I needed that coming to the end of last season. So I've, I've not been following a huge amount of football across the summer, but... Very excited for the season to come back, nonetheless. Um, but maybe Ireland's luck will turn around in the World Cup. Who knows? Are they are they playing today? No, no, they're playing on the 26th. They're playing Canada. Uh, Canada, okay. who are the reigning Olympic champions. So it won't be an easy game. Um, no, not at all. But, uh, yeah, look, look. hopefully they, 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 they put in a shift. If they play like they did against Australia, they, they, they definitely have a chance. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Well... Here's hoping the luck turns around a little bit, and by the next time we record, we'll have something positive to talk about there. But today we are going to be doing another two club episode. It's just myself and Phil on today, and um, we're trying to get another couple of interviews here and there. Um, but we're just trying to get through as many clubs as we can. Otherwise, so the two clubs that we're we're going to be talking about today, one comes from probably a, a not a lesser known league, um, but. Certainly not a country that is known for football. I don't think football is the most popular sport in the country. Uh, that club we're going to be discussing is from Finland. They are called Finpa. Uh, translated, their name in English is Finn Air Ballers. Uh, want to have a go at pronouncing their full Finnish name, Phil? Um, I mean, I probably have to, don't I? But I'm probably going to butcher <laughs> it like we always do. I think it's now a common theme uh, where we mm. butcher uh, names. Um, so I'm going to go with Mm. <laughs> I'll get. I'll, I'll jump. I'll jump in in front of you. It's uh, Finairin Haloilajat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, that. I mean, yeah, so that that, as well. 
that's probably the closest we're going to get to it. Um, we do have a little bit of a finish following uh, after we've done the Joker IT uh, um, or Joker it, uh, FC uh, episode. So maybe somebody can uh, uh, let us know if we've pronounced that properly. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they, as, as you rightly said, they, they are a, a club that were founded back in 1965. Uh, basically, they were founded on the back of um, uh, Finnish, Finnish Air or Aero as they were known, um, workers uh, basically just wanted to start their own football club. Um, and that's how they were they were uh, uh, created. So we'll just yeah. stick with Finn Pa uh, for now. Because... Yeah, I think that's uh, that was an abbreviation of what they're most commonly yeah. known as, Finn Pa. So, um, yeah, so a club founded off the back of an airline, obviously Finn Air Ballers. Um, maybe, you know, as, as we'll go on to discuss, uh, maybe they were a works team, maybe they were just backed by the club, we're not entirely sure. Uh, I think there's a, a Welsh team that was like, it was Airbus brought in UK or something like that, yeah. they've recently got them into, so maybe something similar to that. But later in the episode, we'll be discussing a Swedish club. Uh, they're from the lower reaches of Swedish football to a degree. Uh, they're called Karlstad BK. Uh, we're going to go on to talk about them again they didn't exactly set their, their leagues alight. Uh, no. They're not well known for very much, but they've still got quite an interesting story behind them. And we we have been... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have been yeah. to Sweden. Uh, we covered Juventus IF. We were a little bit different, you know, as they were a team kind of inspired by Juventus and, and set up by uh, by Italian migrants. So Karlstad BK will be a, a look at Swedish football from a, a different point of view, I suppose, and, and going through the landscape a little bit more. But we'll start off with Finn, Pat. So Finn... Uh, sorry, Phil. <laughs> Why don't you uh, kick us off and, and tell us a story about how they began as a club? Yeah, so as I as I mentioned there, they were founded in 1965 by the staff of the Finnish national airline, um, Aero. Uh, they were called so Aero is actually spelled like the chocolate bar, uh, <laughs> Aero. Uh, and originally they were named uh, Aero Aeron Palo, uh, which but then the club's name was changed to that pronunciation that that you said earlier, um, Finnerian uh, uh or Finpa, which uh, translates into ball players of Finnair. Uh, so quite straightforward. If you're in Finland, you know exactly where these lads uh, are from. Uh, so the airline, the the airline itself actually changed its name into Finnair. So that explains that. Um, the club wore all blue, uh, strip for their home colours and an all white strip for their away colours. So. I suppose Finnair, they're quite, you know, nationalist, uh, you know, Finland, as we know, Finland's flag is blue and white. So they're, they're sticking to them colours. Um, in their first season, Aaron Palo uh, competed in tier five of the district league in, uh, now, this is a hard one to pronounce, uh, Pirion Sarja is a district in Finland. I, th- I think I got that right. I think that was um, pretty good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a it's a district that's in Helsinki, Um they got promoted uh, and played in the nineteen sixty seven season in Tier Four in the Alasarja in uh, Group Two in Helsinki section. So in the sixties, um, Finnish football they were they were playing in the quite the lower re the lower echelons, if you like, uh, of Finnish football, which was all kind of like uh, regionalized and and put into districts and stuff like that. Um, the league was effectively effectively the fourth tier of Finnish football that they were uh, playing, and it was run by the Finnish FA. So it, it, it there, there was a degree of 
I don't, I don't want to say professionalism because I'd say a lot of the clubs were probably amateur or semi-pro, but uh, if they were run by the Finnish FA, there obviously was obviously a degree of uh, professionalism in the way that these clubs were run and everything was done uh, properly. Um, the club yeah, I think won- it's, it's maybe fair to say there was a degree of uh, organisation, at yeah. least even if they were semi-pro or, or otherwise. There was a degree of organisation and, and administrative you know, powers kind of above that, so which is obviously a good sign. Um, yeah. If they're, they're that organised from early out, so yeah, yeah. So uh, the club then uh, won their section, so basically earned back to back promotions. So already you're seeing uh, Finpa, uh, were kind of starting to go up the leagues quite rapidly uh, from from the when they were founded, really. Um, so I'd imagine. Uh, while it was hard to get any information on any players that played for Finn Powell back then, uh, I'd imagine they were probably a good, strong uh, football side, um, you know, winning uh, leagues back-to-back uh, early on. So, uh, you know, the 1968 season saw the club compete in the third uh, tier of Finnish football. Uh, they, now, this is a word that is quite... Uh, the Makan Tazajara. <laughs> or am I, I don't know. Do you want to have a pronunciation of that? What year was it, sorry, Phil? Yeah, 1968. 1968. Okey-doke, let's have a quick look. Makunta Sarja. Makunta Sarja. Uh, yeah, Makunta Sarja. Yeah, I, th- I think... Yeah, cool, go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we go with that. Um, they were placed in Group 1, uh, which consisted of clubs from Helsinki and uh, Uzima. Uzima? Is that, mm-hmm. is that correct? Again, well, uh, look, if any of our Finnish listeners are listening in, uh, please do tell us if we're absolutely butchering uh, these names. And uh, and we do apologise. As much as we like giving you guys good content, we uh, we quite like to think we bring you a few laughs as well through the, the awful pronunciations that we do. So, you know, you can enjoy that too. Yeah, I think we might actually, before every episode, do a disclosure. <laughs> Just so we don't <laughs> offend people. Um, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, so uh, I mean, they got the tour, the tour tier here, and it kind of their success was kind of halted, or their progress was because they only finished sixth in their group. So maybe they reached their their level at this stage. Um, the club finished sixth. Uh, that season. Then the nineteen sixty nine season was much the same. Uh, they finished fifth in their group, meaning they would stay put in the third division. Uh, the nineteen seventy league uh, was renamed uh, the third division or division. Uh, Divisiona. Uh, mm. The club placed seventh that season. So you're kind of getting to see they have they have kind of reached a level here, Finpa, uh, going into the 70s, uh, where they're stuck in kind of tier tier three uh, of Finnish football, which yeah. is fine. I think, the, I, mean, I think the current name for tier three is uh, Kakonen. Yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. it, yeah. yeah. Um, so as I said, uh, then we're getting into 1971, uh, which saw them kind of falter a little bit, and they actually got relegated that season, um, and back down to Division Four, um, for the nineteen seventy two season, um, and they placed eleventh that season. They failed to get promotion, um, first time of asking, placing only third, uh, after being relegated. So they're playing in Division Four at this stage, um, but they, it wasn't long before they did get promoted back to Division Three, uh, as they won their group in nineteen seventy four. Uh, once again, they continued their momentum and completed back-to-back promotions, winning the tour division title in 1975. So we're now, now up into Division 2. Uh, yeah. So Finpa seemed to be a club that every season something was going on, really. Um, that, you know, 
bar the, the two or three seasons where they kind of finished mid-table in, in Division 3. Uh, so now they're up into the dizzy heights of Division 2. Yeah, doing not too bad uh, at this point. So uh, modern name for this league is the Econ, I yeah. believe. But um, doing not too bad. I mean, obviously from what you've mentioned there, it seems like they, they were kind of middling for a little bit, maybe just finding their feet. Obviously, if they were founded in, what was it, 1968, and they, they, they spent their years down there, maybe it just took them a little bit to, to kind of get off the mark. But uh, certainly on an upward trajectory by the sounds of things at this stage. Yeah, definitely. Um, and even better, they they actually uh, went even further in 1976 when they completed a hat-trick of promotion. So they literally nice. were in Division 3. Um, they got relegated to Division 4. Um, they didn't get promoted straight away. And then the next season they did, they got promoted into Division 3. They got straight away promoted from Division 3 to Division 2. And then they got another one. Um, So they must have had some team. They must have done some recruitment uh, in in that second uh, season when they were in Division 4. Because after that, then it was just back-to-back promotions, uh, three of them uh, in a row. Um, but the 1977 season proved to be a, uh, the limit of their quality at the time, and they found themselves being relegated after just one season um, there. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it, it, as we said, they got three promotions and then kind of hit a, a roadblock again. Um, but Finpile would spend another three seasons in Division 2 East Group, uh, finishing fourth in 1978, um, seventh in 1979, and then until the 1980 season, they finally won promotion again to the one divisiona, uh, coming first in the West Group uh, this time. So they were playing in the East Group. They moved to the West Group, uh, and they got promoted, um, once again. This time the club lasted much longer in what was, uh, then the country's second tier, uh, competing in eight seasons in a row in one divisiona, uh, with mixed results. So. It was called the first division, but it was it was the the country's second tier. So I think the country's first tier at the time had like a kind of actual name to it, um, like it was a a, a kind of premier. So think about it like in England, where you have like the Premier League and then you have the Championship. The Championship does sound like the first division, but it's not really. It's it's the second tier. So mm. Finpa reached the second tier of Finnish football and kind of consistently stayed there for a while in the 70s, going into the 80s um, for about eight seasons where they kind of had mixed results. They were kind of mid-table, flirting with relegation and stuff like that. Um, but uh, again, they, they were a solid side, I suppose, in the 80s. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, it sounds like they were not so much a yo-yo team, but a team who would sometimes come up to the top tier, um, drop back down, and that was... That was more or less their level was maybe the second tier, maybe third tier, as we'll come to find out later on in their history. But uh, yeah, a, t- a team that would consistently reach the top tier and have the capabilities to do so, but just couldn't consolidate or, or keep themselves up there for long enough. I'm not sure if you'd agree with that. that that's that's yeah. probably my well, opinion on them, to be honest. I mean, um, in 1981, they finished 11th and they were put into a, a relegation group, as it was known. Uh, now, they, they survived that. They they, they ended up um, finishing fourth in that group, which made, made sure that they uh, actually um, avoided the drop. Uh, and then the next season, they were in the playoff group uh, to try to get into the top tier. But unfortunately, they finished eighth in that. So, you ah. know, it was probably too, too much for them. So... 
they they did find a level they 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 were either you know near relegation or near promotion and um, back then it would have been kind of a bit like the Scottish Premier where there's like a kind of split uh you know like you'd have your 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 championship group after a certain stage you'd have your championship group and then your relegation group so yeah I've always on... it's weird because you know obviously if if I'm just looking for a quick fixture calendar I'll do a Google search. And up until recently, I'd never seen it called the Championship and Relegation Group before. I'm not entirely sure if those are the official names, but obviously mm. the split, uh, for those who don't know in Scotland, is the team in, teams in the top six uh, for the final round of fixtures will play each other once. Uh, team in the bottom, teams in the bottom six will play each other once as well. It's not unheard of for the team who finish seventh to finish with more points than the team in sixth, but because it's split into groups, they'll still finish seventh. It's really, really strange. I know it's something that only kind of works within Scottish football, sort of. It can work in other leagues too, but yeah. it's um, yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one. It divides opinion quite a lot of the time. Uh, yeah. The old split and, does, and and basically this is kind of what was happening in in the division uh, one divisiona, if 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 I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, they did uh, get into another um um relegation group again. They stayed off that again. They finished third in that. Um, so they didn't get relegated, but they eventually did. They had another three seasons where they finished then eight, seventh, um, sorry, another five seasons, finishing eighth in 1984, seventh in 1985. Uh, in 1986, 87, they also finished seventh. But uh, 1988, uh, the season did prove too much for them, and they finished 11th, and they dropped down the, uh, to the third tier once again. So um, the, the promotion to get to the top league, uh, was becoming a little bit of a dream at that stage. And mm. um, they finished fourth place, uh, but at the start of the 1990s proved to be a good era for the club. Uh, in 1990 season, they came first in the East group and gained promotion once again to the second tier of Finnish football. So they're a bit of a yo-yo club in that in that sense. They, they're, they're kind of up and down from the tier two, tier three, Tier three, um, and and you know, I'd imagine they gave their fans a, a, an exciting, an exciting time, um. But they, 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 they did have the ambition. Uh, when I was doing my research, it came up an awful lot that they were having the ambition to get up to the to the top league in uh, Finnish football, uh, the Vekas Liga. As, a, as it well, it's, it certainly sounds like they're ambitious enough. I mean, if you're being backed by an airline then you'd imagine that there's a fair degree of finances involved. However, obviously that doesn't... It's, strange, it's a strange one to try and compare because obviously when you look at it in the modern day, you have clubs that are being owned by literal investment funds from countries, uh, which is obviously a completely different level of wealth and a completely different potential for wealth. Um, whereas, you know, we've seen where it's just other companies like airlines, sometimes it can go a bit awry. Um, it can go south a little quicker. Um you know, so it it just depends. But even still, if you're owned by an airline and you're a club backed by an airline, then you're going to presume that they wanted to reach the highest possible point yeah. they could within Finnish football. It's still a lot of money. Yeah, big time. Um, and and in Finnish football, uh, they they would have been seen as you know quite a big club. Uh, they were a well known club. Um, and you're about to see why. Uh, they didn't waste any time trying to get it. Uh, so they got promoted, as as I said, back into the second tier of Finnish football, and they didn't waste any time trying to get into the first, uh, you know, the top tier, the Ve- Vekos Liga. 
Um, they uh, and in their first try, they actually uh, finished second. Um, in the second tier, qualifying for the promotion playoff, and uh, they didn't win it, and they remained in the uh, one division uh, for another year. But that that uh, you know was just a, a kind of um stopgap really, because they re- did eventually reach the promised land uh, as the club rectified their loss in the promotion playoff in 1991, and they won it in 1992, uh, and nice. therefore they got promoted to the top flight of Finnish football. Um, yeah, so they made it. Good stuff. Yeah, they made it, and they didn't disappoint either. They actually qualified in their first season uh, for the championship group. So again, we're seeing this kind of championship, kind of relegation group and stuff like that. So they they finished quite high in the league. They finished fifth overall, uh, winning thirteen games, drawing seven, and losing nine. Um. Then the Finnish uh, league actually had a change of format in 1994, uh, where the league would be played without a championship and relegation group split at the end of the season. So it was just 14 teams competing in a 26-game uh, full league format. Uh, so they're getting rid of the split, basically. It's just a straight out, um, you know, 26 games, uh, you know, forced to, to last, basically. Um, that, that happened in 1994. Um, they finished tenth out of the fourteen clubs in that season, winning eight, drawing nine, and losing nine. So not too bad, I suppose, for a club that's you know only recently promoted. Um, but Finnish football at this stage in the nineties, and I think we've covered this a lot, Rory, through through a lot of uh, countries that we've gone through, that a lot of format changes, a lot of a lot of uh, countries were trying to find their way into trying to find the best format to get maybe attendances up to help the football clubs compete in better. Um, like you see it even in the ni- 1992 when the Premier League was introduced in, in England. Uh, we've gone through places like Australia that you know are still probably struggling to find a format. Uh, the MLS was created that that you know yes. that 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 came up with a format that seems to be working for them. Uh, and then you obviously have the South American uh, countries, which we, as we've mentioned, uh, their formats are quite um difficult to follow, uh, are quite uh complicated. And are are the reason are the main reasons why uh football clubs have gone uh you know defunct. So in Finland, Finland is no different really. They're they're kind of trying to find the best format um to to give fans something to watch to make sure that no club is kind of sitting around idly uh with ten games to go. Because I do know that does happen. Because here in Ireland, um we have a format. We have a Premier. We have a First Division. Um and. It kind of in the Premier, there's only ten clubs, and at at sometimes around like the season is a summer league and it ends in November. But some some club seasons are basically over by you know exactly. August, uh, and they're just playing you know fifth sixth. They're not playing relegation. They're never going to get relegated. They're not going to win it. Uh, you know they're probably a little bit far off European, so they're kind of going through the motions. And when that happens, fans are less likely to turn up the games because. While they might love their club, you know, there's a certain element of they're not competing for anything. So it's a kind of a, a pre-season kind of feel to it. Yeah, that's it. Sometimes when reconstruction happens, obviously in the long term, it could be for the, the, the better of the league and the pyramid system of whatever the country's in. But it can also put a lot of fans off. And if reconstruction goes badly, then it can really have an effect on attendances. We need to obviously take into consideration the fact as well that as a nation, there are other sports that overtake football in Finland. 
you know, I'm not entirely sure if that's going to change anytime soon or if it is changing. Obviously, there's a huge core of Finnish football fans, and, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to shit on them <laughs> or anything by any yeah. means. Um, but and you'll yeah. have to you'll so, have to 116 percent boys after you if uh... <laughs> I'm joking it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think you need to take all of these factors into account when you're discussing attendances and, and how these things can affect support as well. But again, as you just mentioned, it's no secret to any football fan that if your team is a sort of middling club and you're struggling to make headway, no matter which way you do it, if it looks like that you're going to be struggling for a long time and that you've never really achieved much success, then attendances are going to start dwindling. We see it all the time with different clubs. I mean, uh, Hamilton is probably the biggest one that comes to mind. Hamilton were always one of these teams that were a bit of a a joke in the Scottish Premiership because they would they would be bottom for pretty much the entire the entire season and then somehow survive. Um, but now you know they dropped into the Championship. They've they've had an absolutely horrendous time on and off the field. Uh, now they're into League One and it looks like they're in a bit of a nosedive and the fans just aren't turning up now. Hamilton. Hamilton's a big enough town. There's a it's got a decent enough population, and for the town that it is, they should have a a, a bigger support. But with all the issues going on at Hamilton at the moment, the, the supports of the attendances, sorry, have really really taken a hit. So you know maybe it's something quite similar. There's loads of factors involved, but uh, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, so the, there was another season of this kind of full format league uh, where they finished eight, uh, they won nine, drew five. Uh, Last 12, so, uh, you know, another kind of a solid season out of 8 out of 14. Uh, but then the, the Finnish FA said, no, no, we're going to go back to this championship uh, relegation group sort of stuff. Uh, so in 1996, uh, sort of returning the split league format, as we call it. Um, Finnpire qualified for the championship group, finishing fourth in the regular season. And they finished fourth in the championship group as well, just missing out on the Intertoto Cup place by two points. Um, the Intertoto Cup, as we've uh, alluded to, actually with Joker IT, uh, can be a lucrative uh, kind of tournament for these clubs back in the day because Joker IT actually played uh, West Ham um, back, back then, a West Ham side that was full of stars. Like uh, Frank Lampard played, uh, Rio Ferdinand, um, Joe Cole. So it can be one of those. I know people joke about the Intertoto Cup being a bit of a a, a non cup or a nonsense cup, but you know it gave these these kind of uh, clubs in you know Finland and all to play against big stars and uh, create memories that you know. They're, they're forever and even for the fans to, to see these sort of things but unfortunately as I said they missed out by two points um, of the Interhotel Cup the 1997 season uh, was arguably their most successful season in the club's history um, after just missing out in European qualification the season before the club made a huge push and achieved their goal by finishing third um, qualifying for the UEFA Cup um, that nice. season so Finpra have now gone from I suppose we followed them from, you know, the fourth tier. Uh, well, they were in the fifth tier when they started. They got up to the third tier. They went down to the fourth tier. And after they went down to the fourth tier, it was kind of all all positive steps. That have, you know, promotion, promotion, promotion. Um, and then they finally made it to the big time. And now they're even making it to UEFA Cup competition. It was a huge achievement in what was another format, um, uh, change of format, sorry, in the finished top division. There were only 10 clubs competing 
But that didn't stop uh, Finpa uh, as they look forward to playing in Euro- Europe for the first time in their history. So it was the 1998-99 UEFA Cup uh, that Finpa uh, were drawn to play in Israeli club, uh, mm-hmm. Hapal Tel Aviv. So Hapal Tel Aviv are quite... Yeah, they're a, bit, they're, a bit, they're a big club. I mean, again, comparatively speaking now, obviously, if what was that, the 1997 season, did you say, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so I would have been one. Uh, I had no concept of European football or even football at that time in my life, so uh, I'm not entirely sure how... Sorry, 1998, 1999. 1998, okay, so I would have been two, sorry. So <laughs> still, still the exact same. Um, so yeah, compa- obviously now we know how Paul... Happily, I'll tell you, sorry, as it's quite a big club because we we probably see them quite a bit playing in European contests. I just wonder if people would have looked at them as the same. They probably were. Um, obviously, you know, as I've said, just comparing sometimes across different football and eras can be quite tricky. But uh, yeah, it's still it's still a massive tie for Finpa. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, it was their only tie. Um. They they lost out. They lost three one. Um. In both legs, uh, home and away. Uh, so they lost six two on aggregate, um. So that was that. Um. Now, this is where it kind of well, it doesn't get interesting. I suppose. Well, it could kind of be interesting. Uh, 1998, I guess, uh, yeah. 1998, yeah, in the book, uh, basically it was just then. Nineteen ninety eight was Finpa's final season. <laughs> uh, so they they play UEFA Cup football. You're thinking, right? This club, they're going to be you know competing as one of the big clubs in Finland. Um, but the 1998 season, they finished ninth out of ten teams. Um, they lost. They only won five games, lost eleven, drew eleven. So I'd imagine the drawing of eleven was a, was a big uh, problem. Um, and they played in a relegation playoff against a club called Tampereen Palo Vecut. Uh, they lost, which basically relegated into the second division. But Finnair decided they didn't want to financially back the club anymore, and that was that. Uh, Finn yeah. Power gone from, yeah. from Finnish football, and I mean, people will say, "Well, what what, what happens? That's it. That's literally that's it. that is it. I mean, we've Your covered club. that a couple of times before with uh, uh, with other clubs and um, organizations. Yeah, yeah, we, we've covered that a couple of times where um, the money either dries up or is ripped from under them. You know, obviously, I used the Gretna comparison a lot in our earlier episodes, but it's literally the same here. The money, the money went because Finnair decided they didn't want to financially support the club anymore. That was it. There was no big drama. There was no nope. kind of winding down. Obviously, I'd imagine at the time there was probably a lot of a lot of news coming out and a lot of rumors circulating about what was yeah. going on, which would create a panic. But outside of that, compared with a lot of the other clubs we've covered, there was no, there was nothing like you know, a long drawn story. So. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. It was literally a case of the money was there, then it wasn't, and that was them gone. It's a yeah. shame. Yeah, yeah. And I mean this is this is why I kind of picked them. Um they as I said, they they, they seem to rise up the leagues and, and you know they got to the, the holy grail of the top uh, tier of Finnish football, which is what they when when I'm doing when I was doing my research and reading kind of articles and stuff of, of people uh, at Finnair, uh like I can't. I can't think of any names. But people at Finnair were like, "Yeah, this is what we want to do." Um. Again, though, I got the feeling that they were kind of used as an advertising board. Uh, the football club for Finnair. Oh, without um, doubt, without doubt. Yeah. yeah, and and unfortunately, as we've we've touched on in other clubs, uh, that have been used as kind of um advertising boards, basically. Um, and but when they got to UEFA Cup. 
you know, was expecting maybe odd, uh, maybe they hear financial problems or something. There, there was none of that really. There, there was no no indication that there was. Now I assume that there was kind of within thin air maybe that they had to cut back on on things. Uh, and and the football club was one of those things that they said they they made a choice on after getting relegated. But I mean, I would have expected if they got relegated that they would have just got promoted straight away the season after because that's kind of the theme of their their history. But mm. obviously they decided not. Nah, you know what? We don't we don't want it anymore. And and they just pulled the plug. It was it was just as quick as that. Yeah. But what was quite interesting is they actually they actually still played the nineteen ninety nine season and what I assume is what was called the Ecosin, which I assume was the second tier. Uh, yeah. But I could be wrong. Um, they did have a new owner. However, instead of the, instead of deciding to take them on, um, he actually turned them into the feeder team for another. Finnish club that we yeah. covered earlier on in the series, uh, FC Jokerit, who at that time I believe had just been founded or, or hadn't long been founded. Yeah. Um, who had played the 2000 and 2001 season in the first division. Um, but then obviously they, they wound up quite soon after. Um, but, you know, as I suppose you can understand it in some ways from the new owner's perspective, you know, with this team who have a massive infrastructure. Um, who have a massive budget, who have a massive wage bill, who all of a sudden don't have any money, you would probably be just trying to find a way to keep to keep it active in some discretion as opposed to winding everything down. I don't think there was much else he could have done. I think without knowing to, uh, without knowing a huge amount about it, I think it would have been too much of an ask for just any random owner to come in and then you know end up implementing loads of things that kept the club afloat because they would have absolutely they would have been in free fall down the leagues and they would have ended up presumably in the amateur tiers again because it's if that amount of money has been put into the club, it would be nearby impossible to try and keep it up if you don't have the finances and the resources anymore. So they became uh, Joe Credit's feeder team and, and I guess when Joe Credit wound up, that was also the end of FINPA. But what was also interesting and what I found out was that in February 2021, uh, FINPA's registration and name was still in the Finnish FA Association register. So there you go. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's quite interesting because obviously I'm presuming they haven't been operating in any sense since they wound up. Um, whether or not they're a multi-sports club, as, as is the case with a lot of Finnish teams and, and teams in uh, in that part of the world, mm. or you know whether it, they, they just stayed there, I'm not entirely sure. But um, as of February 2021, their registration number was still in the, the FA register. So there you go. Yeah, I, I, as you said, Joker, Joker IT are still, um, you know, a, a sports organization. I think they still have a hockey team. So, um, maybe Finpa are, are were the same. Um, the the big thing that I take away from the Finnish clubs is is that they're all competing against the Helsinki, uh, clubs. So Helsinki there, um, are HJK. I think they're called. Mm-hmm. Um. Are, are are the big club in Finland are, are the ones that you know everybody is trying to to be um they're the team that are constantly in Europe and stuff like that they actually just beat Northern Ireland club there are just about knocked out uh Larn, the Northern Ireland uh champions um yeah, so yeah. clubs come in they they try to compete um with, with them and they just can't um you know they they're historically they're the big big side um of Finnish football. Well, Finnish football, I mean, as I said, we, we've covered two clubs from Finland. Uh, it's quite an interesting uh, country to, to cover. We will cover more um, clubs from there. We might, we might even do a sneaky little feature on Finnish football because it is something that people seem to be um, um, quite interested in. 
um, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just to give a, a a couple of kind of notable names, I suppose, if you like, from the squad. Um, mm. Simo Valakari uh, played for Finpa from 1995 to 1996, uh, made 48 appearances, scored five goals, according to Wikipedia. Uh, played as a midfielder. He then signed for Motherwell and made 104 appearances for them over the space of four years. So obviously quite an important player within mm. uh, Motherwell's setup. Again, this is very early days for me, so I don't remember him playing in Scottish football uh, at all, to be honest. Um, I would have only been four by the time he actually left. But another player was uh, Yanni Makela, uh, also played with... Uh, well, what's interesting is that he actually played for another team called Maipa, who are from Finland. Finland does yeah. just um, MYPA. Um, Milikoskin Polo 47 is is what they're known as now um, he then signed for St Mirren for a year only made one appearance according to Wikipedia so didn't do great then signed for Finpa for one season making 33 appearances so you can presume he was playing more or less every game and then he signed for Wraith Rovers another Scottish team uh, for a season but he only made eight appearances, but he scored twice, which is is okay for a defender. So those are a couple of big names that that, that just kind of popped that's, up in the, yeah, the search I was doing. I wonder what the Scottish Finnish uh, connection was there. I mean, there was for a bit. So there, there always kind of has been um, a lot of players around the the kind of Finnish Icelandic uh, Faroese, and to an extent Swedish and Norwegian level as well. A lot of them, uh, a lot of them have came to Scotland for different reasons. So. But a lot of clubs out with Celtic and Rangers, players from those leagues uh, sort of fit their models. Um, it's their level. Again, not to shit on any of them. Um, I remember in the early 2000s and the late 90s especially, there was a big influx of players from like Sweden, uh, Finland, Iceland, etc. Uh, one of the recent additions, I suppose, would be big John Fredrickson, as he was known going to Wraith Rovers. I think that was last season or the season before. It's a fairways international. He was six foot seven. Um, and he was a forward and everyone was like okay it's going to be a case of lumping the ball to him and uh, making sure he gets it in the back of the net made two appearances scored once and then got shipped back up the road um, apparently he fell out with the manager so there you go <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I think there was one Faroese uh, player who played for Dundalk I think he played centre back um, for, for a few years uh, over here that's off the top of my head um, but uh, yeah no it's interesting enough they obviously went for the weather um, yeah. <laughs> and another thing that was probably uh, actually no probably Scotland was probably better weather than well, like, of course there's also if you want to come if you want to bring things up to a more contemporary I say contemporary it was you know almost 10 years well it would have been 10 years ago that he signed now uh, obviously Team Puke played with Celtic yeah. before he went to Bronby and then Norwich um, of course became a bit of a hero of Norwich I don't know what that tells you about the level of the championship he was absolutely dreadful when he played for Celtic so um, obviously just couldn't get the best out of him so he I think was the latest Finnish player to play for Celtic I can't think of any after him I feel like I'm missing someone but um, yeah that, that, that oh, team, the, team you pick I think was the last the only only Finnish well the Finnish players that I can think of obviously Sammy Hoopia uh, at Liverpool um, mm. and Yardy Lutman uh, of Liverpool mm. he uh, he played Liverpool I think he played for Ajax as well in his earlier days um, but uh, they're the two Finnish players that kind of stand out, uh, to myself, um, and would be would be you know the big boys, uh, from from there, um, but uh, yeah, yeah no, I think uh, yeah, so Timmy Puki is the only Finnish player to ever have played for Celtic. Two Icelandic players, uh, Teddy Bjornarsson. Um, I don't 
think he played that much. Maybe made a couple of appearances here or there. Uh, and big Johannes Edvaldsson as well, who played for Celtic between 1975 and 1980. I think he was quite a staple of the team. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, Finnish football, I think Finland, they only qualified for the first major tournament in the last uh, Euros, was it? I, I think... I'm not too sure. Yeah, I, I uh, look internationally. They're not. They're not renowned as like a big, a big international team. I can't remember Ireland ever playing Finland. To be fair, um, and I can't really remember Finland. You know, beating anybody huge or anything. It's just, it's, it's just a. For me, it's just an, a weird country for football, uh, but a very interesting one, uh, to say the least. You know, Joker IT were, as we know, quite an interesting club, and everybody seemed to be very interested in them. Uh, but Finpa, another one. Uh, and as I said, we could probably cover a few more uh, clubs from there. Um, but uh, we'll leave that for another show. And we'll mm. move on to our next club, uh, Rory, which I'll let you uh, uh, talk about. Yeah, of course. So this is going to be uh, the Swedish club we mentioned earlier, Karlstad BK. Um, this is a relatively short chapter in the book, wasn't it, Phil? It was indeed, yeah. Um, yeah. Karlstad from Sweden. Um, I mean, both these clubs kind of uh, featured near the end uh, of the book. Um, but comparatively, Sweden- comparatively speaking, though, they were around for quite a long time compared to a lot of the other clubs that we've spoken about who who maybe had quite short lifespans, um, you know, maybe were, were spurred on by a bit of money and so on and so forth. Uh, they were founded in 1923, uh, mainly played in the second and third tiers of the Swedish Football League system. Um, you know, so they, they, as I said earlier on, they didn't exactly uh, set the place alight. Looks like they had more luck in Division 2 than, than they ever did in Division 3. Um, eventually, when restructuring happened, Division 3 became Tier 4, um, and then they began dropping down to Tier 5. Lowest point was in Tier 6. Uh, they played there for two seasons. They finished uh, in Tier 6, which was the Swedish Division 4. Played there first in time in 2006. They finished 6th, and then they got promoted uh, the second time asking in 2007 back up to Tier 5. They did make it back to Tier 3 again in 2011, um, dropped down again to Tier 4, and then their final season was in Division 1, which was Tier 3, and that was 2019. So 1923 to 2019 is obviously a huge amount of time to be a football club. But, you know, obviously, again... Don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to go and rubbish anyone's support. Obviously, there were people who who loved this club. There, there were yeah. still people who went to support them quite frequently. But um, they were a team who existed for a long time without doing very very much. Yeah, uh, and people probably say, why why did you include Carlsad in the in the book and stuff like that? Uh, simply because these clubs, you know, people say, oh well, no, you know, football clubs have to get relegated, they have to get relegated. they have to mean something. Carl said we're very much a club, and again, I don't want to uh, you know um be any condescending or anything about the club, but they very much were the epitome of mediocrity. <laughs> uh, of like they don't they don't they just were just existing to exist as a football club. Um they they you know they, they were around since 1923, so they, they have been around an awful long time without actually, you know, doing anything. 
Um, to be honest, uh, of of any much no. Now, obviously, Carlside fans might disagree and and say, oh, they they gave them many memories, and obviously, we haven't watched every football game that Carlside uh, took part in, and I'm sure they took part in some classic games, uh, scored some memorable goals, uh, last minute winners, all that. I'm sure that's happened, um, but. On a long long activity level, if you look at their honors list and stuff like that, it just it just isn't there. <laughs> um yeah, and it's, no, no. And and it's something that you kind of well, well you'd say, well, how does that stand out? But that itself stands out to me that they were around for you know nearly a hundred years, uh, and and they've done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. They 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 didn't do a, a huge amount. Um yeah, I mean, but there there wasn't a huge amount to be found about them online, other than that they existed. There was a few photographs, and they were they were really really nice. Um, obviously, they they did have a, a local rival as well, who were FBK Karlstad. Um, yeah. you know who they, they 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 as far as we're aware competed, um, competed a derby with. You know, if they're local rivals, that's fair enough. Um, their attendances kind of from season two thousand and eight onwards, highest was in twenty eleven, where the their average attendance was four hundred and eight. Yeah. Um, outside of that, it's in the two hundreds, reaching three hundreds once in twenty twelve. So, yeah, it's 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 weird. They 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 were around for ages, but they they didn't do an awful lot, did they? No, they didn't. But in saying that, and and as you said, their attendance and stuff like that, they are a club that are known in Sweden. Um, and and I'm about to give you a little fact here. Um, that at the time of writing. Uh, a former England manager has become their in an advisory role for them. So, do you know who I'm talking about? I don't. Sviangar and Eriksson. Ah, oh, really? There you go. There so, you are go. they still so, are they still active? Yes. Yeah, so they were they they their last season in Swedish football was 2019. Uh, but then they ended up merging with Karlstad uh, United. Uh, Karlstad spelt with a C. These this club was spelt with a K. So oh, okay. I'm not I'm not too sure. I'm not familiar with the Swedish language or 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 stuff like that. But there's obviously some sort of difference uh, in that. Um. So they formed uh, IF Karlstad Football, uh, and in 2022 they were they were playing in the third tier, uh, in the Etienne division, uh, of of Swedish football. So while they're not in their original form, uh, they they are kind of in a in a form. Um and that's why they are in this book. But uh, yeah, mm. Sviangar and Eriksson is uh they're uh in an advisory role now. I don't know what exactly he does or what he advises on. Um, but um, I'd imagine they have a bit of money if they're if they're hiring him to do some sort of advisory work. Um, Must be but, the case, uh, yeah. Um, it's it's fascinating looking into it. I mean, if if he's doing advisory work, then they they, they must have a bit of cash. But it could also be the case that he's just decided to get involved. Um. Maybe set up the club, uh, maybe try and help them get up a wee bit. I mean, I'm not too sure. You see it kind of often now. This was a bit strange. I remember in the I hate I hate remembering anything about this, but in the COVID season, where um, Celtic under Neil Lennon were absolutely atrocious. Hmm. Gordon Strachan, obviously former Celtic manager, was in an advisory role at Celtic, but it was never really described what that advisory role was. And then he was also in an advisory role at Dundee because that's where he started his playing career. Uh, but again, it was never really explained what it was. There was a couple of 
rumors a couple you know it could be this it could be that but no one really knew so it, it may be something like that as well but as you said it's a huge name uh maybe it is just to get a new club off its feet obviously if it's going to be a little bit of a project for him uh it could be quite interesting to keep an eye on them i mean let me jump onto the twitter now i'll, I'll, I'll give them a follow yeah. but in terms of the original Carlstad bk did you find out anything else about them um, not really. As I said, there there, there wasn't an an awful lot about them. The reason why they stood out, uh, so basically when I was doing my research, um, I would have uh, you know, gone through countries and and they kind of, as I said, the main thing that they stood out was the fact that they were around since nineteen twenty three up until two thousand nineteen, and then obviously they merged uh, to form IF uh, Carlstad Football. Uh, well, apparently, uh, Carlstad United BK have also dissolved. Uh, they dissolved in 2019 as well. Um, they just... Yeah. Um... Ah, so this is interesting. So Carlstad United BK merged with Carlstad BK that we were discussing. Yeah, that's, after... yeah, that's, that's what I said. But one, one side is spelled with a C and the other one is spelled with a K. Now, yeah, I don't know and, if that's just... Now, well, they've now formed IF Carlstad Football. Yeah. Uh, who are still active. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's yeah, they're, they're the club that Sviangar and Ericsson is now uh, involved with. Interesting, I like it. I like it. So they are still involved. Uh, let, let's just say, can you see what way they're, they're playing? Well, they were playing in the tour tier. Um, their crest is quite impressive, to be fair. It does take on the kind of a uh, former Carlstad uh, blue kind of, and then they have the star and all. It's very, very, it's very modern, uh, yeah. very, very Inter Milan. Inter Milan, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was literally going to say that there. Um, and yeah, they are still they are still around. But as I said, they um, yeah. So the Carlstad that was in the book uh, merged with the Carlstad United, but one has a K and one has a C. Uh, if yeah. any of our Swedish listeners uh, are listening, can they explain why there's a C Carlstad and a K Carlstad, uh, or is that just the uh, is that just the typo? I don't, to be honest, I don't know because I don't know the Swedish language. But um, yeah, no, they 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 are OF Carlstad at the moment. Uh, are still um going. Yeah, I'm trying to find any mention of them on Twitter or anything anywhere. There's a couple of fan accounts. Um, can't see anything else about them, unfortunately. This this and this is what I'm saying, Rory. Right, the first Carlstad that I covered in the book are just. It's like they're a football club, and and as you said, their attendance is you know peaked at four hundred, usually an average of two hundred and stuff like that. So obviously people do follow them, but mm. there seems to be just absolutely nothing about them. Yeah. Like not not nothing about them. They just they never won anything. They never, you know. They, they, <laughs> I mean, it's just a weird one. It's like even if you go onto their Wikipedia or anything like that, they don't have an honors list. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's strange. I'm, I'm actually just having a quick look on their website now, so let's go on to the board page. Like, they, just... they they got promotions. They had promotions, as, as we mentioned, right, uh, from Division 3 back in the 40s. Mm. Um, uh, in the 30s, they got promoted. So they, they obviously have a bit of silverware, right, from, from yeah. lower leagues. Like, uh, when they get relegated from Division 2, they used to go down to Division 3, they'd end up getting promoted. Um. And and they were a bit of a yo-yo club between Division Two and Division Three. So I'd assume, obviously, getting promoted and being and coming first in the what was known as the Vastras Jelland uh, mm. Division Three, you'd obviously get a trophy. So I'd assume, you know, 
they they had a bit of silverware and but obviously Division Three is not seen as a kind of major honor. Um, but it, it's just it's just a weird one. It's just for me they were just you know flirted with Division Two, Division Three. Um, then they went to Division Five. You know, they never they never done anything of no. So I'm I'm just having a quick look on their website here. Yeah. So they have Sven Goran Eriksson listed as a sports director. So obviously, if yeah. he's in a, a an advisory role, and it's a bit more than an advisory role, it's a huge position to have. But yeah. for being a club that's maybe in the lower reaches of Swedish football, they have quite a good internal setup. I wonder if it would be too far out of reach to maybe get in touch with one of these people and see if we could get them on for an interview to tell us a little bit about the club. Because I, I, I obviously done my research about them beforehand, but I'm absolutely fascinated by them now. Well. As I said, um, like I obviously done my research for the book and stuff like that. Um, they are a football club, and this is and look, you're even intrigued by them now, and this is why I, I, yeah, I yeah. them in the book because they are a football club that are intriguing. Um, now obviously the original uh-huh. cast that are are in the book because they they dissolved and are they merged eventually with another cast that, but going forward. They're, they're this new football club, as as they are, they are a new football. Now maybe their their fans uh, might say, no, no, we we are the original. Um, you know, Carlsad. Uh, although Carlsad United fans might might Carlsad with a C, I have to say, might say they are. It, it's a weird one, and maybe it is something that we we can look into a little bit more. Maybe we as as we talked about, we do a Finnish feature. We might do a Swedish feature because Swedish football is. I always found. I don't want to say boring, right? But I always found Swedish football to be a bit kind of clubs are just there to just represent towns and they don't have huge supports and stuff like that, but they're just there. Um, like I mean, even from, from, what I've, from what I've seen, all that um, I, I enjoy quite a bit. I remember Celtic played AIK Stockholm a few seasons ago. I actually remember watching that game in Dublin. That's when we first started speaking, roughly. Uh, that was in 2019. Uh, I lived with... Uh, close associate of mine, good good guy, um, Alexander Bergstrom. If you're listening, mate, I hope you're doing well. Lived with him for a number of years at university. He was an AIK fan. He's also a Brighton fan, uh, so he he follows a bit of the Swedish game. I don't think he knows a huge amount about it, like to the point, you know, going down it in the lower tiers, but could certainly ask him. Just on that note, I have found uh, Karlstad Football on Twitter. Uh, followed him on our Twitter account and my private one. Their jersey is absolutely stunning. I'm a huge fan of it. But it's ruined because it's covered in sponsors. Yeah, yeah, and and Swedish football. Um, like I, I, I keep tabs on it only because uh, there's an Irish lad who plays over there for a AIK. He's actually from Swords. Uh, Zach Elbazadi. He's a, he's a, he's a young lad uh, who who plays regularly for them. And I, I AIK are quite a big club over there. Huge uh, club. Huge yeah, club. Recently, where Shamrock Rovers played uh, a Swedish club as well in, last year in Europe, Europa, uh, the Europa Conference League, as it was known, it's now you know in the UEFA Conference League, um, I called Dursa Dursa then. I think they're AIK's big uh, rivals. So, is, um, I'm not sure if that's. I mean, it probably is how you pronounce it. Every time I've seen them, if it's the same team I'm looking at, is it Dur Gardens? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah, they're they're red and yellow. They're quite colourful. Um, and then obviously you have uh, Gothenburg. Um, who were regulars back in back in the day, uh, playing in Europe and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, Gothenburg, obviously Aberdeen, Gothenburg. Yeah, Malmo. Well. 
Malmore Swedish club, yeah, yep. they're quite big. Um, but I always just felt Swedish football. Do you know what? I feel that they don't reach their potential that they should. I feel that Sweden itself has produced, you know, Henrik Larsson, for example, uh, Ibrahimovic, you know, big, big players. Yeah, at club level, they haven't done it. They they haven't they haven't peaked as a as a football nation. I don't know if you feel the same, Rory. And, well, and they did that well. They were they were they were quite big as a as a national team. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're going back maybe 20 years or so, maybe No, less. no, as, as a national team, I think, as I said, Henrik Lass and uh, Ibrahimovic, all that kind of stuff. But as a domestic football country, I, I feel that they haven't, they're, they're kind of underachievers. And I feel that Carl said... Possibly, yeah. Yeah, Carl said epitomised that. They're, 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 you know, they're there. Um, they've been there for so long. But they ha they they haven't done anything. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to be. You know, Swedish fans might be going, "Oh, how dare you? How you know you're an Irish fan? You can't say anything." And they're dead <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I I wouldn't I wouldn't discourage that that argument. But I just feel Swedish football is some is you know could be so much better domestically. Like I've I've watched Swedish football uh, as I said, uh, Zach Elbazadi plays for AIK, so I've watched a few of their games. Their stadiums are magnificent. Uh like some of the displays that they do with some of the bigger clubs are, are wonderful. Uh they're, they're really absolutely brilliant. Groups, like yeah. if you look it up mm-hmm. um AIK Malmo we we've named all these clubs. But yeah you never hear of a Swedish club doing anything. In, in Europe, uh, uh, modern times, um, Malmo are probably the only ones that you can kind of go, oh yeah, done a little bit. Um, well, a lot me, of Swedish fans maybe look at the the Scottish league in the same way. I mean, yeah, obviously Rangers reached the Europa League final, but it'll be coming up to two seasons ago if you want to say that. Um, but I mean, yeah, real. I mean, generally speaking, no Scottish team has won anything or really done anything of note in Europe for a while. As much as I hate to give it to them, Rangers reaching the Europa League final probably was the biggest in that. But there's you know different viewpoints on that. They played absolutely turgid football for a lot of that run. Um, but you know maybe their fans look at look at our league in the same way. It, yeah. it certainly wouldn't and, be out there. And the this is why you know I'd love to do maybe a Swedish feature as well and get a few uh, get a Swedish fan on and kind of uh, really nosedive into Swedish football. Um, again. This is me giving the reason why Carl's dad and you know, and I, I, I have uh, both short chapters in it. And people will say, Well, why did you give two Swedish uh, clubs, uh, you know, chapters in the book? This is the reason because I feel that people here, Ireland, Scotland, uh, England, UK, whatever, don't really look at Swedish football, um, because it doesn't stand out. But yeah, if you actually did look at it. You know, it, it it has it has its pros, and I I just feel um that you know it needs to it needs to get the spotlight shone on it a little bit more. Uh, people mm-hmm. will argue, oh, maybe you should have picked other clubs to do it, but I'd argue, you know, Karlstad and uh, Juventus IF um deserve their place uh in the Forgotten Clubs book. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Um, Look, obviously at the start we said we're trying to be representative of, of every country that we possibly can. Now, there are 50 countries in, in Europe alone. Um, you know, I suppose continentally speaking, you know, we're not going to go into uh, you know, political organisations and all that, but we can't cover everyone at the same time. Um, and when it comes to covering certain nations, I'm assuming that you chose 
to cover them because the teams are maybe a little smaller. And I think that's yeah, I think that's that that's part of the reason that I I really enjoyed the book and that I really wanted to 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 jump on the podcast with you. Obviously, we'd done a podcast before, uh, very briefly, and and you know I'd always kind of express interest in doing it with you again. But part of the reason that I enjoyed it is that it's shining a light on lesser known football history, yeah. and I think that's what it's all about. We're not trying to say that we're trying to that we're going to elevate these clubs by any means. We're not mm. we're not the the, the saviors of these teams. But we hope that by shining a light on them, you know, maybe people will go and look into them a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and, if... and find out more than I have found out. Like, I mean, that's, that's yeah, the yeah, exactly. I, I, I've gotten uh, is that people who have read the book have come in and said, oh, Karlstad, oh, it made me want to go read more into them. And that's what I want people to do. This is So I suppose this is why, as, as I said, people have asked why certain clubs have been involved are being included in the book. Carl said are one of these clubs that I don't I wrote about, kind of put them in the book alongside, you know, big hitters like uh, Palermo, Chester and stuff like that. So mm. people will then think, oh Carl said, I'll go read more about them and look into more about them and they won't be forgotten. So when people say, oh, oh they're not a forgotten club, I want to make sure they're not going to be a forgotten club. I want people to know about them. And uh, yeah, I mean yeah, I mean that, no. that's the thing as well. We're, we're we're always getting people saying, "Oh, how can you say that all the short have forgotten as a phoenix?" You know, blah blah blah. I get it. I understand that maybe to some people it's a bit confusing, but if you want to look at it like this, forgotten football clubs is the not the brand. I'm not I'm not that up our own arse, but you know that's right. the that's what people identify as by. That's the slogan. What we ultimately are is uh, you know a blog, a podcast, a book about football history. Um. Yeah. The forgotten, could, the forgotten aspect about it is just the tagline. Exactly. And uh, Karlstad are one of those clubs that are in the book because they deserve to be. They were a football club for, you know, a, nearly 100 years um, and they deserve a place in football history, which is exactly what we're all about. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just after seeing there, the different mergers have gone through with Sven Goran Eriksson, you know, on board. Website looks very professional for the level that they play at. I mean, there's a lot of Scottish clubs whose websites aren't even up to that that level or that quality. So I'm um, going to do a little bit more digging on them. Uh, I'm going to try and find out some things. I'm going to see if I can reach out to anyone, maybe at board level or within the club, that will be able to maybe give us an interview at some stage in time. Uh, but for now, I think that'll do us for this week, Phil. Um, as always, we've said we'll keep it to an hour. And I, th- I think, to be fair to us, we've ran just over, uh, maybe even a little bit under. But I think... For this week, that will do us. If anyone has any questions or wants to tell us anything about the episode today, then please do get in touch. You can reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram. Even if you just want to chat or if you want to throw up an idea for a feature that, that you yourself can come on and chat to us about, then please do. We're always open to hearing new ideas. Uh, you can check us out on, obviously, Linktree as well, plugging that every time we put up a post, pretty much. All of our bloggers have got their personal projects on there as well. Uh, you know, Dave, Vincent, Chris, Graham... Sharon, Krishna, everyone else are, are throwing up ideas for articles and we're, we're plugging out content at the moment. Of course, it is summer. People are a little bit busy with holidays. As I said, Phil's just started a new job. Um, I am just going on a week off, so I'll be catching up on a couple of things, but largely relaxing. So, uh, you know, it's a bit of a busy time, but, you know, everyone's doing their bit and pulling the weight. So we'll certainly have more content for you guys coming out shortly. Uh, just got a couple of interviews to arrange and then we'll we'll get those episodes sorted. Maybe plan a big one for episode 20. Yeah. We'll see and, how we and, go on. And as 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 Rory uh, as alluded to, we love interaction. We want people to get back feedback on everything that we do. 
Um, and we do get a lot of it on Twitter, so uh, keep, keep mm. it up. Um, For sure. Good, good or bad, we don't mind. Uh, good or bad, we don't mind. I mean, as well, whenever we're 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 you know doing a call out on Twitter to speak to certain fans, please don't be afraid to message us. Uh, we do not bite. Um, even if you're a Rangers fan, I'm more than happy to talk to you if it helps our podcast a little bit. <laughs> um, but also, probably within the next uh, probably few weeks, maybe a month or so, we'll have a couple of announcements to throw up as well. A um, mm-hmm. couple of really exciting announcements, actually, ones that I'm really, really buzzing for. So please do keep your eyes out for that. Yeah. So yeah, now that I've done all the usual promotion and plugging nonsense, uh, we'll wrap things up for the day. So Phil, let's say goodbye to all our listeners. Goodbye, everyone. It's goodbye from me, and we'll see you all again next week. See ya.